Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Shout at the Oval podcast. Before we get on to this week's guest, which is another great guest, it is as usual time for a summary in what has been going on at Glentorn. Um, so obviously before we released our last episode, Gary, the Gary McCartney episode, which was really well received, um, we had a 3-1 victory over Dungannon, which um, we, we ended our long long run of not conceding the goal but it had to come to an end at some stage it wasn't the best of performances but we got over the line and it was uh, it ended up a 3-1 win after that followed two really disappointing results we had the away defeat to Glenavon in the game which I felt like they dragged us down to sort of their level in the sense that they, they had us in a, in a game they, they dragged us into a scrap um, something that we didn't really want to do um, and I think that the substitutes of Plum and um, Perkis really sort of killed the game for us a bit. Um, we were on the back foot after that and then conceded two quick goals. So that was really disappointing. And we were hoping to get that out of the system, away to Corian. But it was a game that's been so typical of our games against Corian down the years. Um, pretty drab affair. We had a good few chances. Corian had a couple of chances. But the, the, the main talking point was obviously the Conor McMenamin injury. Um, the referee's performance, which was pretty shocking, um, not even just with McMenamin, but multiple incidents throughout the game. It's been talked to talked about the death by now. Um, of course, we have heard the news now that Conor McMenamin doesn't have a fracture or broken leg, and he might even be available um, to to play very soon. Um, I think there's been a lot of uproar about, on social media about that, but in my opinion. Um, we don't know what the, the diagnosis was that could have came from the hospital. I know that there's always multiple uh, instances of players getting told they have an injury and the swelling goes down and then they can do the scan and they see the full extent of the injury. So it's just great that we can get Conor McMenamin back in the team. Um, I know he might be looking for a move in January. Obviously, we hope that doesn't happen, but I was devastated for him that um, you know, his season might have been scuppered with what was a bad challenge and hopefully lessons have been learnt and he'll receive a bit more protection from referees. Um, so on to this week's guest. This week's guest is former Glenthorne manager Eddie Patterson. Now Eddie Patterson um, managed the Glens during a really really turbulent time um, and he delivered two Irish Cups. He had his budget cut year on year, he had to deal with the mass exes of players, some players going to Linfield, um, lost a lot of experience in that time, like uh, um, Stephen Carson and Colin Nixon. Um, but he delivered on the trophies front. And um, this is a really interesting podcast. Eddie, usually you get a podcast guest on, particularly if they're involved in the game now, and they'll sort of maybe hold back a bit. They'll hit you with a few cliches, they'll one game at a time, this sort of thing. But obviously, Eddie's not involved in senior football at the minute. And he gives a really in-depth insight into his time at Glenthorne. He criticises people, which is fair enough. Um, he's entitled to do that. And he also raves about Glentorn supporters and his love for Glentorn and how, how welcome everyone makes him feel to this day. But it is really interesting and this will be an interesting podcast for not just Glentorn supporters but I'm sure the wider league because he doesn't hold back in true fashion, true Eddie Patterson fashion. He says what he thinks and that's great. It's great, great for this episode and also great because you get to hear his side of the story. Um, so hopefully you enjoyed as much as I do. In my opinion, it's one of the best ones yet. I really enjoyed it. He's a great, great guy. And I really hope to see him back in top flight football soon. Um, so here it is. It's this week's episode of the Shout at the Oval podcast with Eddie Patterson. 
Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Shout at the Oval podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to have with me this week. It's the first non-planned member of staff that we've had. It's representing Glenthorne. And it is none other than uh, former manager Eddie Patterson. Eddie, thanks so much for coming on and being a guest here on the Shout at the Oval podcast. Thanks for the invite, Matthew. Looking forward to it. Really looking forward to getting stuck into this one, Eddie. Um, so much to, to ask you. I was sitting going through questions earlier on. I was thinking uh, to myself, oh, maybe there'll, there'll be a lot of questions because you're only at the Glens for um, three years or and a bit. But I mean, I don't think a manager has ever been through a more um, dramatic and turbulent time than what you had to post-war um, at the Oval. So there's a lot to get into. Yeah, it was testing. Put it that way. It was testing. But at the start, we'll start at the very, very beginning of your career. Um, most people would know you as Eddie Patterson, the football manager, but you played the game too, uh, including for Cliftonville, where you spent eight seasons. So, uh, you played 131 games and scored 16 goals. But talk to me about your career in general, um, starting off playing football. I, I played for Newington Youth Club at the age of, of 10, 12 years of age. Newington Youth Club um, in the Down and Connor League. Progressed to start the Sea Youth Club around about under 14, under 15 level. And then from start of the age of 17, 18, I moved to Cliftonville. Uh, made my debut uh, against Crusaders uh, in 1980. Um, and <laughs> a 0-0 draw. Um, didn't turn up for the game on Tuesday night, uh, which I was supposed to do of a, 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 against uh, Korean. Or, sorry, the Crusaders game was a Tuesday night. I didn't turn up for the game on the Saturday because I had planned to go away for the weekend and wasn't trained on Thursday night and uh, all sorts of questions asked. But uh, yeah, naive, young, thinking, oh, I'm only in the first team here to, to fill a space because of a few injuries and a couple of suspensions that were carried over. And uh, I didn't think nothing of it. And I turned up Tuesday night for training and got a rollicking from Jimmy Brown, why I didn't attend on, on training on t- Thursday night. And... And didn't attend the game on the Saturday, which, I, you know, because it wasn't a train on Thursday night, I didn't know about the, the Saturday uh, inclusion. So um, that was the start of it. Then didn't get into the first team for a wee bit and then gradually got in, played the majority of the games in the, the, the Gold Cup. And <laughs> we got to the final of the uh, the, the Gold Cup against, uh, Hennessy Gold Cup against Linfield at Windsor Park. Played in all the games right up. Played in the semi-final and Jimmy dropped me for the final. Oh. <laughs> uh, he went for more experience, told me my time would come and uh, you know, I was disappointed. So I, I went to the game and, and stood among the, the Cliftonville fans because I was a Cliftonville supporter before that. You know, I, I played in the Saturday morning games in Down in Connor League. Went to Solitude in the Saturday afternoon and uh, I went, joined the fans. Uh, we, we, we beat, we, we beat Linfield that night 3-1 in the, the final. I think John Platt and Frankie Moffat and I forget the other scorer. But um, great, great night, albeit that I wasn't involved. And did you do you look back on your playing career with fond memories? Um, did you enjoy your time at Cliftonville and just playing in general? Well, every, every kid growing up, you know, um, you support a club. Uh, and for me, having to play, being able to play for that club was an absolutely fantastic honour. Um, great, loved it. Um you know, I, I think in those eight, eight years, you say, but I think I was, it was maybe 
three or four years and then away for a spot and then back for two years and then away for a spot and then back again. You know, there was that, that magnetism. It, it kept drawing me back to Cliftonville. I didn't want to play for anyone else. Then I, I ended up playing, uh, you know, for Ballyclare, um, Chimney Corner. Uh, Chimney Corner, I moved to Chimney Corner. I think out of fallout with Ronnie McCullen when he took over after Jimmy Brown. Um, 1983 or something like that. I ended up going and playing for Alec McKee at Chimney Corner. First time Chimney Corner ever won the league. And then back to Cliftonville again. Then it was... Uh, I can't remember who it was after. Billy Clare, I think. Uh, and then from Billy Clare to, to Chimney Corner. And basically, uh, you know, Chimney Corner from the age of, of 31, 32, leaving... leaving uh, Ballyclare to go up and play for Chimney Corner, winning the league again, winning the Stephen Sons Cup, winning the Intermediate Cup, um, great times at Chimney Corner, uh, and and twice Chimney Corner have won the league, and I've two of them, 1980, <laughs> 1980 something, and I'm not too sure what year, and 1996 I think it was. So, you know, you know, I've had a, a more success in, in in the junior football rather than the, the, the senior setup. Yeah, that's, that's great because a lot of players can go through their whole career without even <clears throat> getting their hands on a medal. So it, no matter what level, it's always it's always good because winning breeds winning and you get a taste for it. And I'm sure you brought that in your managerial career too. Well, I, I brought in, you know, I, I was a, a sticker, sticker for discipline and you know, I was always, you know, into um, being in, in, in the training on time, doing the right things for, for in preparation and taking that in the games on a Saturday. And I tried that to instill the players in, in, in what I coached and what I managed. And I, I, I just go back and I say about the, um, you know, being involved with Cliftonville, you know, you're a supporter. And to get the opportunity to play for them is absolutely, you know, top drawer, fantastic experience. But then to, to go back uh, and to being asked to coach, you know, Marty Tab invited me back in to, to help with the academy when the academies were first getting set up. And then Marty, when he took over the first team, asked me would I take over the seconds, and I coached the seconds for for a year, and then moved up with Marty to to the first team when uh, just a, the year before Marty left. And during that year, that full year that I was up coaching, we won the, the league cup again, beating Larne and penalties at, at Windsor Park. Um, and that gives you a wee bit of a hunger, a bit of a drive, and 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 then, um. Uh, Liam Beckett took over. Um, I, I was interested in actually applying for the job, and I was told that I wouldn't get it, that Liam Beckett would get it, and I left it at that, not thinking anything. And then Liam Beckett asked me to become his, uh, his assistant, which I jumped at again. Um, Liam was there for a year. He left after a year, and then, fortunately enough, I was offered the uh, post on a trial basis, and I was there for six seasons. So. You know, I must have been doing something right for a while. <laughs> and did you always think that when you were co- when you were playing that you would go into coaching? Did you have that sort of burning ambition to become a coach and become a manager? No, not really. And it was only basically in, in my last maybe season at Chimney Corner um, with with Lawrence Stipp being the manager. Um, I started to coach kids teams. Uh, my own son growing up. Yeah, I think I've been coaching him. Um, from the age of four or five, uh, and, and that got me into the coaching side of it. So I was training on a Tuesday and Thursday, doing a wee bit of coaching with the kids on a Monday and Wednesday. And then you, you, you sort of get into, you start enjoying it that way. 
Never ever thought about management. Coaching, yes, but never ever thought about managing. And what about the pro license then? When did you decide to go through the whole? Obviously, you have to do all your 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 badges, but to get the the pro license, when did you make the decision you were going to go with that high? Well, I didn't make the decision. <laughs> the decision was made that the fact that you know to be a, a manager within the Irish league, they were they were bringing new new formats into it that you had to have. Uh, certain qualifications, which for me, yeah, I can understand why, because they want to progress the, the 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 game in Northern Ireland. They want to they want the the coaches to have the the highest level that that they can be at from a coaching point of view. And uh, I remember at the time it was it was used to be just the the A license, and then that developed into right pro license. And I think I was in the second group. I think the likes of Big Ronnie McFall, uh, Tommy Wright, and and those boys were in the first group second time it came around um, I had no option if I wanted to stay in management then I had to go and do it and it was a great experience I'd done it with the likes of Jimmy Brown Harry Fay uh, Tony Gorman um, a great bunch of lads at the time Big Jeff Spears um, Jerry Flynn so we, you know with a good good bunch and the, the, the wee away trips were, were very good because uh, there was a good camaraderie among everyone There was you were saying about uh, how you went to, from the 20s reserves um then Liam Beckett's assistant. Did you feel then it was like a natural progression when the Cliftonville job came around that you would be next in line for it almost? That's 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 when I got the bug. Working under Marty, working under working under Liam, uh, and, and you know I wanted to you know you want to test yourself. You want to go and see what's happening, or see how you're going to respond to certain aspects of the game at, at, at that level. And um, we get in. We we. We, we we started to progress from the, the football that I wanted the, t- the the team to play, you know, and the, the coaching that we did. Um, we did play some good, some decent football at Cliftonville, and uh, you know I think we 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 finished. We were never out of the top four, in in the time that it was there, and basically qualifying for Europe on a regular basis, which is something that Cliftonville never did in the past. It had been the odd the odd qualification uh, within in Europe. Great, did it twice, you know, um, in the in the first year we qualified, and then the, the third year that we qualified, and they were great, fantastic experiences. But it's it's what you want to do. You 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 want to be playing at those levels. You want to be competing against those foreign teams, testing yourself, and and you know the disappointing part of it. You know, I think it was we got beaten two Irish Cup semi-finals before we got to the final, um, on our third semi-final got into the final and we lost that against Crusaders and that was a, a probably the, the big disappointing thing, the, the, the fact that we had that opportunity of, you know, I think it was 20 odd years the club were waiting um, to win the cup and uh, you know, we just didn't, we just didn't get over the line. Yeah, I'll take you through some of the years at Cliftonville. Um, I was doing a bit of research, uh, I obviously, I remember your, your, your time at Cliftonville very well. I grew up Cliftonville so Cliftonville won the league in 1998, but I grew up with Cliftonville being sort of like a lower, the late, lower Irish League middle Irish League team um, in that early 2000 period. But you took over and six, had six years there. Um, you led them to their highest league position um, in your first season since 1998. And then they really kicked on. You won the countdown from Shield in 06-07. You got Cliftonville's first ever European victory. Um, and then it would be, that would, that would really kick off your, your managerial career. Um you brought in some players at Cliftonville who were proper stal- went on to be stalwarts and 
really became sort of some Cliftonville legends there. You must have been delighted at that initial stage, your first three seasons at the club, and ever just you must have thought the sky's the limit. Well, we we were doing very well, I have to say. I was well well pleased. Um, you know, I remember Malcolm Brody asking about uh, were you just punching above your weight, and my answer to him was, well, I don't think so. Because it, it was what we were aiming to do at the club was bring quality players in, get us established, have us, uh, you know. And I know from the times that Marty was there and Lawrence that before that there it was uh, there was a couple of relegation battles that had to go through um, and playoffs and, and and to stay up in the Irish League. That's something that we wanted to avoid. And, and the target was after the first year, second year, let's see how we can kick on. And it was only I think. I think in my last full season, you know, we we we, we finished runners up in the league, and I think we we weren't too far off it. We we lost Liam Boyce after after that season. My son went to university in England, and we lost a couple of other players. And and to be to be fair, you know, I, I thought we could have been given a bit of help, you know, with financially if with with Liam going, my son going. And, and we had an, another centre forward that we wanted that that you know we didn't get the the opportunity to bring that person in. The following year, you know, my last my last season was that uh, we we had a lot of injuries over the Christmas period and we faltered. Um, and saying that, you know, we qualified for Europe that year, uh, and uh, I think we finished we finished third, fourth, third or fourth, qualified for Europe, and and uh, I think that was it. Only got Celtic that night. We 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 drew two two. We only needed a point to, to ensure qualification for Europe, and and that's when <laughs> the partner of the ways came with Cliftonville. That um, Irish Cup final you mentioned, how hard was that to take? Because Cliftonville hadn't won the Irish Cup since nineteen seventy nine, so it was thirty years. Um, that must have been tough. It was. I mean, there was a lot of hype about it, and there was a lot of going back to the seventy nine period. Uh, a lot of the. The, the the players from that from that era were at the game and and yeah I think I think that whole build up and that whole involvement of those players put an awful lot of pressure on our own players at the time and the fact that you're going out into that final against your derby rivals you know Crusaders yeah and, and that had it that that added more space to it and uh, you know thinking back you know we we had great chances in the second half we applied a lot of pressure and uh, you know thinking back on it. You know, I, I I probably made the wrong substitutions. I, I kept Liam Boyce on the bench and I kept my son on the bench. Um, two players that had had performed very well throughout that season. And uh, you know, you, you look back, you you learn from your mistakes, and, and they were two mistakes that I, I I believe that I made for the cup final. You only Clevenville only lost out in the title by five points the following season, which is pretty remarkable when you're coming up against that Linfield team with that financial strength. Um, and you did unearth a certain Liam Boyce. Uh, could you have seen his quality at the very start? I, I remember Michael Press telling me about a, a kid in the reserves, uh, and I went and watched the reserves a few times, and I ended up bringing Liam up to to train with the first team. Primarily to see what he what he was like in, in, in the way we trained and, and what have you, and he didn't look out of place at all. He was um, a wee bit, you know, um, what can I say? A wee bit in awe of maybe stepping up. But once he got his feet under the table, Liam Boyce was absolutely outstanding. One of the one of the best two footed players that I've come across uh, at that age, uh, in in, uh, in the Irish League, uh, and I thought. 
you know, we'll see how he goes here. And and the following, he had a bit part to play in that in that season. Following season, we threw him in. He was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Um, that's when we 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 ended up selling him to Order Bremen. And uh, you know, delighted for the career that he's panned out that has panned out for him. Um, because uh, he, he's a kid that listened. He took things on board. And uh, you could always see that they have given the opportunity, uh, you know, whether it's, I'm not going to say he was a, he could have been a Premier League player, but it, it depending on where he went, might have determined how far he was going to go. But he, he went to Werder Bremen. Um, he was too old to play under 18, under 19 football and maybe a bit young to be playing reserve team football because the Germans had a, a, an awful, an awful lot of um, um, older players at that particular time. So he didn't play much football. It was more training. But he, when he came back to Cliftonville, I could see a massive difference in, in his technique, technical ability. Um, absolutely superb eye for goal. And uh, two seasons at Cliftonville, won the league twice, and he ends up in, in Scotland. You know, well-deserved move. And, and he's been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, he's never looked back. Nope. Um, he's he's a super super player. Um, your your time at Cliftonville unfortunately came to an end in two thousand and eleven after six years. Now I think you can look back on that time at Cliftonville with pride. You've you've fully transformed, and um, the club's uh for, for, fortunes, and you also put the foundations in place for for probably what came next. There was a lot of that was a lot of your squad. Um, why do you think your time there came to an end? <laughs> <laughs> There's a few few reasons, you know. I think I think I, I noticed the difference where we we went to Croatia and, and uh, we beat Sabalia in in the, the first round of the, the preliminary round of the Europa League. We beat Sabalia in that in that um, beat them one 0 in Belfast, and then we went over there. We drew nil nil um, with ten men, and I just noticed a difference in the attitude of the chairman at the time, and. Uh, it just it just wasn't like previous times. Uh, I remember saying the big two things aren't uh, things aren't right here, uh, and I would say that I'll not be here at the end of the season. And sure enough, the way things have panned out, um, I always demand them. Uh, you know, I always demand the utmost of the players. I always demand the highest the, the, the highest that they can that they can do, and and that's in work rate and it's in trying to improve their ability. They've got to strive. Mm. You know, no player gets perfection, but you've got to strive to, towards that there. And I was a hard taskmaster. And there were certain individuals who, who would have been running to the chairman and would have been giving me, me stories about, uh, you know, how I was driving them, how I was maybe, what can I say, um, too forceful in, 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 in maybe wanting a better word or better words in training sessions and, and driving them on. And, and basically, you know, there's a couple of fallouts. Um, that I because I didn't, I felt that certain players were just not performing the way they should have been performing, or or given the effort that they should have been given, and uh, that that's that's my take on it, you know. But um, I, I can't say you know it wasn't certainly wasn't because of results, and it certainly wasn't because of uh, performances uh, or anything like that. You you weren't out of the game for too long, and that's why we're here today. Uh, because uh, Cliftonville's loss was certainly Glentorn's game, and Glentorn came calling in February two thousand and twelve, and it was a difficult situation. Um, Scott Young had just left the post uh, after a bad result against Newington. Um, ironically, one of your former clubs. Uh, so that could you know 
be like, you know, it's sort of a strange world of football. You, yeah. you got the job after that result. Um, but why did you decide to say yes to Glentorn? How could you how could you say no to Glentorn? You know, we knew there was there was difficulties. We knew there was diff- I knew there was difficulties from a financial point of view. But Glentorn's Glentorn. Glentorn are massive, massive name, massive support, and irrespective of what way the, the you know the fortune of the club are going to be, that support will always be there, whether they come through the gate or don't come through the gate. And I just felt that that this was a massive honour for me. Uh, from a, a management point of view, to go in there and see what we could do. And I remember meeting uh, Terence Brannigan, who was the chairman at the time, uh, and Aubrey Welf, who was his uh, sort of uh, his right-hand man, you know, uh, and, and, and Terence said to me, look, you know, things aren't great at the club. You know, what we don't want to do is end up in a relegation battle. Can you keep us out of a relegation battle? You know, that was after the, the whole, uh, you know, I think Pat McGibbon was in for the job with me. There was a few others, but it was between myself and Pat at the end. And I was fortunate enough to get get the nod. And um, basically, um, I think we finished we finished fourth or fifth in the, in the league. That, 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 that you know, the, the hilly end of that season, taken over in February. But we knew, and I knew from the financial point of view, you know, a lot of those players would have been leaving at the end of that season because we just had the the cut of cloth accordingly what what the club was was bringing in, uh, and and paying out in debt. But um, as I say, we got to the end of that season. We finished in the in the top six, um, which was a big financial benefit to the club with the gates that they were going to get by playing those other top five teams rather than the and no respect no disrespect to the bottom ones but the, the bottom clubs you know up there you had your your Porter down your uh, your your Linfields Cliftonville um the, 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 the uh, Crusaders you know that, that those are the clubs that uh, you know to keep the momentum going to, to to bring in revenue to to the club from those those away days that were that were those teams that were coming for, to the oval um and as I say, the previous year, the, all over that summer, um, I worked really hard with Aubrey Ralph. Aubrey was absolutely, I have to say, was a fantastic asset because we had our budget set. And uh, we had a budget set. We knew what was available with the players that I wanted to keep. Um, so those players that were going out the door, so much was released. And the, the, the massive the, the, you know, bill was cut. I know... Um, Previous manager, uh, Scotty, um, had to cut something like two and a half, two and a half hundred thousand off the wage bill. <laughs> I had to cut another something like two and a half, three hundred thousand off the wage bill. Wow. And it brought us down to, you know, it brought us down well below what, what you know, what, what, what Cliff Mill were paying out, which I knew, you know, a, a, a hell of a lot below that. And we knew the task ahead, but we, we, we targeted players the likes of Stephen McElroy, who, who was a great asset coming into the club. Um, he was a battler. He was a, a leader. He was a winner. Um, Marcus Keane, who I knew from the days of managing Cliftonville. He had played a couple of times at, at uh, for the Blues against us, scored, win- scored goals uh, uh, against us at Solitude. So we targeted him um, and targeted a couple of other, you know, it's relatively unknown players, you know, to, 
to, to, to try and just bolster up and, and give a wee bit of fresh impetus to the to the playing side of the, the, the club. And that season we got to the final of the Irish Cup, which was great. But I'll, I'll go back again and say the, the, the input that Aubrey Ralph had was, was absolutely superb because the majority of people that we targeted to bring into the club, we were able to get. And that was all within budget, all within budget. And, it was, and it was, that, was, that feeling was, was good. Uh, and uh, you know, to go on the cup run that we did that particular year was, was <laughs> unbelievable. That's the yeah. word, unbelievable, because of the changes that we had to make, and and the inexperience that we had within the, uh, in the club, you know, and and very grateful to the likes of Elliot Morris, Colin Nixon, Andy Waterworth, Sean Ward at the time. Those those guys, you know, stayed. I know some, some people wanted to go, some people didn't want to go, but I had to sort of tell them they had to go because of the type of wages that they were on at the club. And it was the only way we were going to survive. But, you know, we, we, we kept quite a few experienced players. Some of them took pay cuts, and which released some money to, to bring in the likes of your, your Marcus Keynes, your Stephen McElorms and, and people like that, which was, which was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, in that, in that first summer, you signed a lot of players who would have a big impact throughout your time at the club, whether that was in the short term, like Mark Clark, he was fantastic for a season or two at the Glen, Steve McLaurin long term, Jamie Gee long term, and but there's one that really stands out in that first season, and it is, you've mentioned them already, it's Marcus Keane, yeah. and it must must be amazing to see now that you brought Marcus to the club, um, I believe you were at his testimonial dinner a few weeks ago, yeah. the same 10 years at this club and captain of this club. Well, the wee message that I sent him was the fact that, you know, it's hard to believe it's 10 years that myself and Marcus had sat down to talk about a possible move to Glentorn. And I thought, you know, this is going to be difficult because the kid had been at Linfield, um, had played so many Lin- uh, first team games for Linfield, had spent half of this previous season at, at, at loan to, to Carrick Rangers. And uh, I thought, you know, can, can I pull this over the line? Can I get it over the line? And I have to say, we met twice. And part of that was the, the first meeting was to discuss terms with Marcus, to tell him what my plans were. I knew I had Jason Hill, who was playing there at left back. And I told Marcus that he would be the one coming in, either playing that position if, if Jason was out, or playing the position in front of him, left side of midfield. And uh, because that's where he played for, for Linfield when he played against Cliffmore. And, uh, you know, we, we discussed terms and Marcus says, right, can I think about this? We left it at that. And the second meeting was the fact that uh, he agreed to put pen to paper. And, and, and that was, uh, you know, absolutely fantastic. And as I say, it's hard to believe that was 10 years ago. He's now, I, I remember just before I left, I, I made him um, vice captain, Stephen McLaurin captain, Marcus vice captain. And <laughs> my wee message to him on his testimonial night was that, uh, you know, no better time now for Glentorn to kick on to win the league. The fact yeah. that the matter is, he's captain now, and and no better way to end the testimonial year for him. It would be it would be absolutely fantastic. Another thing about that summer, I I had Marcus uh, on the on the podcast uh, a year ago. Actually, he'd be coming up to a year here next week, I think. Um, the Glens didn't have Europe that summer, but the Glens did put on a trip to Air, and That's... I I don't know whose idea it was, but it was brilliant. Because it just gave, and this was a new squad, brand new squad, brought a lot of players, and it gave the fans and the players and the management 
a whole opportunity to bond, see what everyone's about, and sort of get the bug for the season that was coming up. That was a great trip. Well, we we I sat down with my coaching staff and I, I said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to sort of get something here where we're gonna bring everybody together. And you know, and one thing, you know, in meeting with some of the supporters clubs prior to that that summer was the fact that they 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 felt in the dark. They weren't getting any information through of what was happening at the club and and, and various things like that. And I, I, I told them that that, that will change. That will change. I sat down with um, Simon Kitson at the time, uh, 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 Kitchen, Simon Kitchen, um, and a couple of the, the, the board di- the, the directors, Kevin Milhench was among them, and a couple of others, and asked, is there any possibility that we could just get an away day? One night, just go and play a game, be away for one night, let everyone come together, see what happens, and we'll take it from there. Uh, and for those, those guys that I mentioned, you know, if, and, and Gareth Clements had a part to do it, to do with it as well, as did as did Ruth and Jody, you know, and and the arrangement of, of this away day, um, we decided we'll go to we'll go to our, and we 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 stay overnight, and the, you know that was quite it was quite difficult because the finances weren't there, but certain individuals went out of their way to make this possible, and, and I have to give great credit to them, and that's what set us up for the for the season to come, uh, and and. The support over that day was absolutely fantastic. You know, meeting some of them, going over on the boat, coming back in the boat. Some of them actually made it a weekend, made a weekend of it. Some just stayed the night, they, they, they stayed with the team and come back the next day. But I think that made us for the season. It was a, it was a, a great trip. It was, I think, it was an enjoyable, you know, enjoyable game, and I think we got a result there as well. Uh, I can't remember. I might have had a beer or two. But um, <laughs> there was the, the sort of that season going into it. There was the spirits were high then going into it after that whole trip. But you weren't to know what was to come, and that was obviously at the end of the season we had our rewards. But it was a difficult situation that that year with with wages, um, and that must have been it was well documented at the time we were in these financial difficulties. But there's no way you could have foreseen a cash flow problem, which would end up with players going without salaries. And I'm sure yourselves too. How difficult was that to manage? It was grand for me, uh, you know. I, I, from from a financial point of view, grand for me because I I, I had a job. I, I was working away. There were certain individuals there that were dependent on their wages because it was the only income that that, that they had. Um, the, the 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 hardest part of it was 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 Tuesday night and Thursday night training when when guys we were going into the fifth week on a sixth week that they hadn't been paid, and and. Really, what you're doing is you're letting the coaching staff do the training, and, and I'm bringing players out one at a time to speak to them, to explain the situation, to to try and get them to stay on our side and and, and do it. And I have to say, you know, I remember the, the chats that I had with Elliot Morris with with Colin Nixon, and and they were, oh, head on, let's get the game, keep training, keep doing what we're doing, and and we know the players that are about see the two senior pros. Doing the same thing, and I have to say, Andy Waterworth, Andy Waterworth the same. Sean Ward, when when the rest of the players, particularly the new ones that come to the club, see those guys getting stripped Tuesday and Thursday, you know, going out there on the train, cold, wet, windy night, doing their training, playing on the Saturday, turning up again, maybe the sixth or seventh week and haven't been paid, and and that was a great that was a great help, and and it 
to be fair, it brought us a lot of us together again, you know, and, and made that that bonding a lot a lot stronger. And um, it, it, you know, it it just I I've got great 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 <laughs> an awful lot of uh, gratitude towards those players for for what they did to keep that momentum going throughout the season. The the twenty thirteen Irish Cup final, I've said this a few times on this podcast and it's one of my happiest memories following Glen Torn. I've seen us win multiple league titles. I've seen us be involved in Morgan Day. I've seen us win our other Irish Cups. But this particular one, after everything that gone on, no one gave us a chance. Uh, Kip Neville romped the league title uh, and it was them who were facing the final. We had all those struggles. We made all the headlines and they went in 1-0 up at half time uh, and probably, probably deserved 1-0 up. But then they started to get a wee bit cocky. Uh, and did this creep into your half-time team talk at all? The half-time team talk was, I, I was happy enough with the way we were we were going about it um, from a defensive point of view. Not happy with, with the, the, the fact that we could have been driving forward from midfield that wee bit more. And we had a wee bit of a, of a chat um, among the coaching staff and myself of a, a particular change we wanted to do. And, and Mark Clark had been excellent for us throughout the, the, the season. That, that particular season but I just felt you know Mark was getting a wee bit run in the middle of the park and we decided that you know we'd, we'd, we'd bring Davy Howland back into that Holton, Holton position along with uh, the Stephen Michael Loram and we'd bring on Jim Jim O'Hanlon which you know Davy has a great eye for a pass and what have you and, and we, we said you know Jim had been struggling with a hamstring injury we didn't know how well he would be you know how fit he would be for it so we decided that you know we'll bring him on, and we said well, we can keep feeding him because we know what what Jim can do on his day. And and for me, you, you know, you hear these talks about such and such a final and such and such. this was Jim O'Hanlon's second half performance. You know, I would say contributed a big big deal in in Glentorn winning that trophy. I thought he was outstanding that day. Um, Davy Howland made a big massive difference when he came into the middle of the park um, because. He had great discipline in, in sitting, but what Davy was also good at when he got hold of the ball, he could drive forward. Mark was more of a sitter, getting it, passing it. Davy would drive, commit people towards him, and find wee pockets in behind. And and that that came off a treat for us. Um, we ended up, you know, we got our equaliser. Um, we 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 didn't want to sit back in that. We kept driving on. We got the the, the second goal, and then we got the third goal, and. You know, the, the rest is, is, is history. You know, it was, you know, a great performance by the team. And I'll, I'll, I'll say it, not just the second half, the, the, the whole 90 minutes, because we, we weren't given a chance. And we played some great stuff that day. Yeah, scored a couple of great goals. And, and then I think what marred it was the, the sending off of Richard Clark at the end, which was, you know, two minutes to go. You know, him and Codwell were both, there was a wee altercation in the, in the, Bag. and uh, I think the referee could handle that a lot better but it took the icing off the cake for, for Richard because he, he, had, he had performed very very well for us that day and and uh, you know it's not nice to get sent off the cup final particularly if you're picking up a winner's medal Yeah the, the whole team was actually I agree I had it written down here David Howland in midfield and um, uh, Jim O'Hannon when he came on was unbelievable it's great to see Jim back in Irish League football actually um, yeah. playing at Warren Point great to see um, but the celebrations that night, they were, I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> they were pretty spectacular in East Belfast because no one gave us a chance. No one really expected it. Uh, it was just an absolute phenomenal night. 
Um, where does that achievement of winning that cup rank in your career? Top. The top. Top. Not 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 the fact that it was against uh, uh, Cliftonville, my old club. It, the fact of everything that we went through that season, that every player went through, the coaching staff went through, you know, certain directors, what they went through and, and what they did for us at the start of the season to, to get us into a situation where we were bonding together and the supporters clubs, you know, because the, 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 some of the, the, the meetings that I went through with them, you know, to get them together and and even, you know, just the, the state things that were happening off the park, um, you know, to keep them in, in, in the light of, of what was happening within the club. And for me, that 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 is the togetherness that, that Glen Torn was all about. You know, previous to the, the the financial difficulties and what have you, it was just surreal, absolutely surreal. Because everywhere we went, there were crowds of Glen Torn supporters, and even coming back to the to the Oval, where we had our our, our after match meal arranged in the in the McLean Lounge, and we went in there um, and and. Just the crowd that was waiting for us getting off the bus with the trophy, uh, you know, we didn't expect that at all whatsoever, and it was it was just unbelievable. I remember speaking to Tiernan uh, in the Westburn that night and saying, you know, if that's the way we perform tonight, that's imagine what we can do next season. But it would be a tough summer for the club. Um, you sort of you lost Colin Nixon and Stephen Carson; they were released at the end of their contract, um, and then there was the the Andy Waterworth and sort of Sean Ward situation and that was a very difficult one it was difficult for fans to take and it must have been difficult for you to take so Andy said that his version of events is the club couldn't offer him a contract until they won the Irish Cup and by that stage it was too late Sean on the other side on the other hand said that he asked to leave from December well Sean Sean asked to leave um Sean put in a Sean put in a, a letter um yeah round about December time yeah could he leave in January? And I stated, no, <laughs> I let you leave at, at the end of the season. Uh, he's still a con. He's still. I think he's still, still a year to go on his contract. Um, I said, no, I, I need you to stay to the end of the season. I'm sure he's glad that I did keep him to the end of the season. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was his first Irish Cup medal. Um, so yeah, Sean wanted to leave. Andy, well, from what I'm told, had his deal done from from January time. Um. I spoke with Andy a couple of times. I've asked the club to speak to Andy a few times to, to, you know, to at least offer, you know, something so that we could turn around and say, we've offered you a contract. Um, you know, whether that was done or not, I don't know. Because at that particular stage, Aubrey Ralph had, had gone, uh, well, gone from the position that I had before. Uh, Stephen Henderson had stepped in, which... You know, for me, was a negative, uh, and the whole the whole issue of of my the rest of my managerial career at the at the Oval. Um, but yes, from 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 that great season to go into the next and have to rebuild again. That that was that was that was tough. That was really really tough, and and that, the hardest aspect of losing those players, and, and you know, and I know. Fans look at it, and you know, Nicky going, Andy going, Nicky, Nicky. It wasn't a case of of it was a financial situation with all of them. 
it wasn't a case of the manager saying you're not good enough or we're, we're, we're leaving you out. It was a financial thing because even though we qualified for Europe again, we didn't get any extra money, you know, for, for our budget. You know, what I would have expected, the fact that the club were in a position that they didn't expect to win anything, where it would have been a good to, right, we've X amount of £1,000 that uh, we've just got because of we've won the Irish Cup, we've qualified for Europe. 50% of that could go and let the manager get a few more players in and start building. And 50% could go towards your debt. That wasn't the case. You know, we, we, we got nothing extra. Uh, and, and that was the sad part of it. Um, but as I say, you know, we finished that season. We were cup winners. We went into the next. It was a tough pre-season because we, we, we had to look at bringing other players in. And uh, that, that, that's... That was the norm at that time because of the financial situation the club was in. There was another bizarre one um, later on in that season where the club lost Jimmy Callagher and I think everyone found out in the medium of song um, involving David Jeffrey. Uh, a strange situation, must be a bit of a head-scratcher for yourself at the time. It was a head-scratcher, yeah, because I had... Uh, I'd always seen Jimmy to be a big, uh, you know, the next captain of the club. Always seen Jimmy to be that way, and um, there was there was nothing forthcoming for Jimmy from a contract point of view or anything like that. And Jimmy got the offer. I, I know, I know, Jimmy didn't want to go. I know he didn't want to go, but the the the, the contract that was being offered to Glentoran just wasn't hitting heights. I had, you know, as much as I would have liked to have dealt with the situations in in, in nationwide contracts and what have you, what I did was I told the, the club what players I wanted to stay and and then the financial situation was looked after by other people but um, Jimmy was one of those ones that you know was a big loss to us but as I say you know he was great servant for for me while I was there in that year and a half he was, he was absolutely fantastic scored a, a, a goal in the cup final and um, you know he was a big loss to us massive loss yeah I mean Glenthorn fans can hold bitterness towards the likes of Sean Ward and Andy Waterworth and stuff, and that's fair enough, that's natural in football, but one person who's never really got it is Jimmy Callagher, I think, because people are aware of the situation. Um, I've spoken to people at the club that said that he came and he was quite upset and things like that. So it's just, a, is it sort of something a bit different, I think? Yeah, I, I, I met Jimmy, and t- I've met Jimmy since. I met him in town um, not too long ago when we've had a wee yarn and, and he just felt he wasn't wanted. That was the word. And, and it was a case of, you know, that wasn't uh, uh, something that we were putting out or I was putting out because I certainly wanted Jimmy Callagher to stay. Jimmy Callagher was certainly certainly would have been, you know, the future captain at Glentorn Football Club. Um, and, and it is, it, it's sad that, that because he'd given great service, I think it was something like seven or eight years because I actually tried to sign Jimmy when I was at um, uh, Cliftonville. He was out and loan to Dungannon. <laughs> I, I I tried to sign him, and I was told no way was he coming. <laughs> and, uh, Jimmy Jimmy always I remember him saying to me, "I thought that's what you were voting against me." <laughs> the fact that I wasn't <laughs> voting. Says, no, no, no. Uh, you know, uh, you know, if I didn't want you, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have went for you. It's as simple as that. There, but yeah, um, yeah. I told him I tried to sign him when I was at Cliftonville, and I knew that, and also the fact that um, you know, contracts at that particular stage were were well. The financial side of offering offering contracts was out of out of my hands at that stage. We're going to win. 
you were able to get yourself a bit of a, a coup uh, in January 2014 um, in the shape of Curtis Allen. Um, you brought him to the club, and in my opinion, he's a true Glenthorne legend for what he done during one of the club's hardest periods. 110 goals in a really turbulent time. Great goal scorer and a really, really good guy too. You must have been delighted with that signing, and it must rank up there with one of your best. Massive. Uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, we pushed the boat out. You know, we we I, I knew how much money that we had that we weren't going to go above the 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 our, our budget. Um, some people at the club weren't happy with it. I'll, I'll make no bones about it. They were not happy about it. But you know, other people, Roy Coyle, Bobby Ralph, you know, guys in the background, back me on what I want to do. He was a proven goal scorer. It was a it was a no brainer. Yes, he played for Linfield before, but hey, if he's going to do the job for Cliffin or for Glentoran. Then, then why not? Um, it took us a while to get that over the line. Uh, I think we were in talks for for a month and a half or so. And coming back as Korean, we're we're showing big interest in them, as was uh, other other Irish league clubs. But I was absolutely delighted to 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 get the phone call from Curtis to say that uh, he had agreed to sign, and 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 that was a great replacement for for Andy Waterworth and the goals that he had scored in the previous season because we were we were missing that massively. Um, and, and you know it was a, a great positive for the club at a, at a real dark time. What a debut too! <laughs> super super day. What a down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, down at Portadown. It was a Portadown, yeah, in yeah, the cup. Portadown, yeah, in the cup, and uh, you know, it, 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 that, that's Curtis. You know, Curtis would go out. He would do. You know, people would turn around and say, oh, he's, you know, he's not on his game, he's not on his game, but he'd pop up with with a goal, two goals and what have you, and, and that, that's what we signed him for. That's what we signed him for. He, he's just a natural goal scorer, and he was, a, a, I think, while I was at the club, even after I left the club, he was a great asset for the club. It was the, the next glory for Glenthorne wouldn't be too far away. Um, on paper, this one's probably a bit more impressive because when you consider the mass access of players, the budget cutting... There's no money in, you're having to just juggle more than just managing the football team. But it was the 2015 Irish Cup final. Um, first of all, the semi-final against Crusaders, bit of a, a tactical masterclass, you might say. The, the Clans really maintained a, a really good Crusaders team. Yeah, well, if you look at the, 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 the two competitions that we did win, we beat the league winners in the final in 2013. We beat the league winners in the semi-final down at Moorview Park in 2015. Um, we 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 met with the guys a couple of days, uh, you know. Well, we had a couple of meetings, uh, you know, leading up to the final. Um, we had our sheets. We give them all their homework to do. And we 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 did a a, a display on the the monitor on on what we wanted them to do. You know, particularly the likes of big ones. You know, at that particular stage, Crusaders were back to front, feed off of one second ball and and take it from there. Um, we knew that the second ball was crucial. Uh, we knew we had them drilled. We, we we worked on it in training. We had them well drilled on what we wanted them to do. And uh, everybody did a man. And I know at, at certain stages of that game, particularly the last you know, 20 minutes or so, it was back to the wall. But from a defensive point of view, you've got to keep the, the wee round thing out of the big square thing to win football matches. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, you know, So absolutely delighted. For you know the coaching staff and what we put the boys through and and you know it came up a treat. The the final 
what an absolutely rotten day. But it was um I, I watched the back recently. I don't know why I did that. That was um a pretty grim game all around. But it was it was strange because it was at the Oval as well. What, what were your memories from that day? It, it, it was something. If anything, it put more pressure on us. You know, playing at home, and I know Big Ronnie was playing on that because a couple of times he was going, "Oh, uh-huh. you know, the advantage is with Glen Torn. They're at home. Uh, they they'll have more support than us, and blah blah blah, and all that." The conditions that day were absolutely horrendous. Absolutely, <laughs> I've never ever seen a cup final. Play it so no. Usually associated with sunshine, and you know, if not sunshine, at least it's dry. And and what, but the wind and rain that day, the, the the pitch cut up badly. It was, it was horrendous. Uh, and one goal win, you know, a great goal from from Scully, who who tied it up for us. And and what more can you ask for? <laughs> Scully was such a, a goal scorer of important, uh, a, a scorer of important goals that season. He seemed to pop up with a lot of winners. He did, and particularly in the cup, one of the cup games, um, he did it. Um, but that, that's once again, we, we, we had guys there who, who were prepared to roll the sleeves up, and and Scully, you know, Scully's just one of those players, he just wants to put a shirt on all the time, he just wants to go out and play. And and you know, he loved it, he enjoyed playing for, for Glen Torren. Um, and I, I still had to have him there, he, he's uh, you know. Even even prior to coming to Glentorn, you know his his performances for Dungannon and and other clubs they played for were, were top drawer. So, you know, it, it, you know, people were saying he was coming to the end of his days and what have you. But uh, he always put a shift in for Glentorn. At that stage, it was probably unfathomable that that you wouldn't be Glentorn manager a number of months later. Um, I mean, you've hit that already. There was talk of of personality clashes with members of the board or or member of the board. Um and you were like go after two 0 win. Uh it was a strange, strange situation. Well well, we, we <laughs> our, our our changing room door was always open up to half one, always open. And and in, in, in before half one would have come Roy Coyle, home and away, Roy Coyle, Aubrey Ralph, Stephen Henderson, others, and basically they knew half one, that door gets closed and we go to work on the players and their preparation for the game. Yes, we've done a prep in, in Tuesday and Thursday nights and our training sessions and what have you, but you know, we final things that we do in the changing room and, and that's that's we, we go to work at half one. And uh, you know, Stephen Henderson started coming in after half one and started hanging about. And there was a couple of times I had to ask them to, to to leave. And at Windsor Park, I think two weeks prior to me getting the, the, the boot. Um, I'd left, I'd left Elliot out for uh, you know quite a few games because you know he got injured. We we, we played we played creators, and he got sent off. I think it was we we drew two two with him at the, at the oval. We drew two two. He got sent off, and Big Hoggy came in, and I, I said to Hoggy, "If you do the business, you'll stay in," which has never happened to him before because Elliot was always brought in. And Hoggy was in for about 10 or 11 games. And, and it's just around about the ninth and 10th game he started to, his, his performance has started to dip. And we were playing the Blues at, uh, at Windsor Park. And I decided to bring Elliot back in. Prior to that, I kept getting asked the question by Stephen Hinn. Why is Elliot out? Why is Elliot out? And I, I just says, look, you know, performances, Hoggy's performances doesn't allow me to bring Elliot back in again. And... and I've told Hoggy if he performs, we get it. 
you get the shirt. So basically, we, we, we went to Windsor this particular day and uh, I brought Elliot back in. Hoggy, Hoggy sort of suspected it because I think he had he had let two goals in against uh, Valna Mallard, I think it was, just prior to the, 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 the Windsor game. And uh, there were two soft goals. And we made the change and we went out and we played a great game that day at Windsor Park. You know, we ended up drawing one each. Um, I think it was Johnny Addis. Johnny Addis got the Yeah, that's right. And, and we, we, we were unfortunate enough maybe not to get the win. We, we, we played really well that day. And we were getting on the coach to come back to, to the Oval. And the chairman came on the coach and he says, well, that got you out of jail? I says, what do you mean? He says, where'd that performance come from? And I thought, well, where are you coming from, man? You know, you know, it's a it's a great great result for us coming to Windsor Park and what have you. And he says, uh, well, you know, let's see if we can continue on it. So <laughs> I think it was the following week. Um, we played. I can't remember. I think we we played Carrick in midweek, and we beat Carrick three one in the the League Cup, and then we played them on the Saturday again, and we went two 0 in the league. And uh, Henderson wasn't at the, the, the Wednesday night game, but pulled me in on the Saturday and says, you know, we're releasing you from your contract. Because, uh, and three reasons he gave me. One was neglecting the, the, the academy. Second was, uh, you know, the performances weren't great. Can't remember the third one. Yeah, the third one. Yeah. Communications that I was having with uh, the press and what have you, because... He cast up about the time that uh, after the cup final. Um, 25 quid. When I says, I oh, will probably get a few quid or five or something like yeah. this. And he, he wasn't happy with that. But uh, to be honest, it worked out that way because we didn't, we, you know, we got 50% of the, 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 the prize money. We could have enhanced the squad and maybe went on that wee bit more. But it wasn't allowed to be. It was the same with the first time in 2013. It wasn't allowed to be. But, um, you know, I looked at him and I said, neglect of the, the academy. I've brought Willie Garrett through. I've brought Jordan Stewart through. I've brought young players to the club from other clubs. Kim Nelson was another one that, that came in. And, uh, you know, where are you coming from? And I think he just didn't think out what way I was going to come back at him, you know. And uh, to, to say that neglect in the academy was just an absolute farce. An absolute farce and turn around and say you know we're not putting in they're not going to performances well, what do you expect when you haven't got the budget that other clubs have got and, and you know you, you you think back over the three years the three full seasons that i had was that uh we won the irish cup twice and linfield didn't win a trophy yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> and that's that's that, that's you know that that, that that i remember saying to you where are you coming from here? You know, when that was pointed out and he, he just dismissed it, you know, and, and that was, you know, that was kicking the nuts for me an absolute kicking the nuts because, you know, we had, we had put everything into it. I thought we were going in the right direction um, without the help of, of the board at that particular time and particularly the board that was led by him. Um, and it was, it was, you know, sad to see, but um, a relief in a way, to get away from, from the hassle and the crap that I was getting from him. But at the same time, you know, to leave that institution 
was was gut wrenching because uh, you know I, I always felt I got on really well with the, the supporters and the supporters clubs, and there were certain board members there that that had my back, and uh, it was just I just looked at from the day that he took over that that, that there was going to be problems, big problems, and and that's something that panned out. Yeah, in hindsight, there probably was a very unfair um, dismissal. Uh, when you consider the, the budget restraints, the, the excess of players, um, everything that had gone on, I, I was looking at the, the points tally. You you finished the, roughly around the exact same tally every single year, despite the budget getting cut, despite the players leaving, and you won two Irish Cups. It was 59 points, um, one season 57. Um, now, it didn't always translate as the exact same league position, because obviously the other yeah. people around you, but you still weren't losing any more games or win in fear? We weren't losing any more games. We also didn't finish outside the top six. Yeah. And if you look at the, 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 the subsequent managers that came after that, you know, yeah. they struggled to get anywhere near the top six. And, you know, as, as much as, you know, I always felt I was under threat when Henderson took over because, you know, the saddest thing I seen was, was Terence Brannigan going and a lot of supporters probably would have thought, yeah, Terence Brannigan's away good. Fantastic. <laughs> but, Terence, Terence Brannigan was, was um, you know, some of the promises that he had made that he'd been at the club, we probably could have progressed. And when the other chairman took over, those promises were reneged on. And, and that was the that was the big issue with me because um, what Terence had promised that any prize money that we got in, we could enhance the squad and, and, and play with it. You know, if, if Henderson had said to me that, look, we take fifty percent of it. You take fifty percent of it for the squad, you know, and then bring the players in. That would have been that would have been fine. But um, once once promises like that were being broken, and it was broken, a lot of them were broken for the first cup final because it was um, Henderson was dealing with the finances at the time the, towards what we had to go through uh, and bonuses and things like that, and a lot of things were reneged on, which certain board members had to get involved and and call them out, you know, which. It was, it was sad to see, particularly uh, some of that was on the eve of the cup final on the Friday night. And do you think that then that experience towards the end is why you spent so long away from, from the game? I, 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 I will not go back near management. I will not go back near management. Coaching, yes. Coaching is, is what I like doing. Um, uh, I'd love to get back into senior football again, but from a coaching point of view, um, I enjoy what I'm doing with Crumlin Star at the moment on a Tuesday and Thursday night. Uh, but I would, I would love to get back into the senior side again. Um, but that, that's probably never going to happen because people's going to see you as a threat because you've been a manager before. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens. The the likes of the the full time setups you see now, you're saying that you wouldn't. I I would love to see what you would do with the budget that actually the Glen Thorne have now or or any of them clubs, Lorne, whoever, name it. Um, would you never fancy if someone came in and said, "Here, look, there's a full time managerial job for you, massive budget work away." No, it's it's too precarious. I you know I have a I have a job in the health service at the moment, which is you know. A decent, a, a good job, and uh, you know, I wouldn't at, at this particular stage of, of career. Maybe in a couple of a few years' time when I retire, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, maybe it may be decent, but um, uh, management, as far as I'm concerned at the moment, I, I wouldn't go near. I got an absolute sickener um, from that particular chairman at the time, and um, it was hard to take. You know, uh, 
particularly when you win two trophies under the, the, the circumstances that the club's been under, the financial blight, um, everything that goes with it, um, trying to keep players together, trying to, you know, even with supporters clubs uh, and things like that. Uh, it, it was hard, it's hard to take, you know. Um, and, and, and I have to say, you know, my, my relationship with, the, with some of the, the supporters clubs is fantastic. You know, it, Tommy Sewell's forever inviting me up to the Belly Mac, you know, yeah. come up games, come up to Belly Mac. Eddie Harvey, I've been at, I've been at the Westburn a few times. Uh, Ruth's birthday party was there. Um, Ruth stays in touch. Jody stays in touch. You know, I think that you those those people are crucial to Glentoran Football Club, uh, and and in particular, you know, Ken Moody invited me up to the Castle Ray Supporters Club there for their seventy fifth uh, celebrations there last week. Uh, you know. No issues going to those places, uh, but you know, it's good to, to look back and say those people want you still involved and coming to their club, and and they 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 want to think over old times and and thank you for that, and and, and that's fantastic. But um, you know, I, I'm I'm at a stage now where I think you know, I'm 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 late by a lot of the Glentoran people uh, for what for what we've done over the the few years that we were there, but. You know, I don't think a lot of them know the 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 depth of the the issues that we are, the problems that we are, you know, the financial issues and what have you. And well, the, the things that we had to go through with the, that that particular chairman. Hopefully, they do now. And the th- uh, what about the types that the likes of the top flight football now? Do you get to watch much? Um. Well, Mick Mick has you know speaking to Mick a, a couple of times, and and he's on to me about coming over for the Friday night matches. He would like to see. A lot of the people that were, excuse me, involved with Glentorn in the past, coming to their, their their games and what have you. So there's a lot of Friday night games in, involved. You know, um, I get to those. I couldn't get to the the, the one against Larne because uh, my partner's brother's back from Australia. That uh, a couple of days before that, there with a wee function planned, so um, I wasn't able to get that. But I see the play Glen uh, Coleraine away on on Friday night. You know, I'll, I'll look over the course of the next couple of weeks and see what what Friday nights are coming up in Belfast, and uh, we'll we'll take it from there and see what happens. But you know, it's always good to go back to the Oval. Anytime I have been back, uh, you know, it's it's been great seeing the old faces, shaking hands, and and and, and having a wee chin wag. And do you notice a difference in the sort of standard quality and even the changes around the Oval and stuff? Oh, definitely, definitely, particularly the the the, the lounges upstairs. There's been an awful lot of work done to those. Um, Mick took me down and showed me the the, the the fitness suite that was down below, which the, the old McLean suite. Um, it looks apart, and and the pitch is looking immaculate, absolutely immaculate. And and you know I, I don't know how far down the line the, the the finances for the new ground is going to be, but um, you know what what has been developed at the moment, both on and off the park. You know, it's absolutely phenomenal. It's fantastic, and uh, the only thing is, uh, you know, Glentorn was always the supporters' club. It's not the supporters' club anymore. It's you know because it's it has an owner now, um, and, and and basically, you know, that 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 for me, if Ali Poor gives a, a commitment that yes, I'm staying, I think everybody should get behind that and and, and drive it on because of the, you know. You look at the football we've been playing this year. Apart from <laughs> apart from last night, last, last night's <laughs> result, um, the football we've been playing this year, the players that are there, you know, I, I must have something decent about it. The judgment of a player when I've had Connor McManaman there, 
and he's been showing the door and he's come back again. <laughs> and Danny Purgus, who's been showing the door and come back again. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, Marcus Kane's still there. Uh, you know, that's it, it, it's good to have that association with, with, with players that you've brought to the club should have left and they've been brought back again, albeit they've, they've cost a lot of money to bring back. But, you know, that that's... Uh, that's the way Glentorn are now. They want the best players that they can get their, their hands on. They've got an opportunity that they can do that. And and, and long may that continue because Glentorn deserve to be up up there, top two, you know, challenging all the time rather than the, the, the couple of years that that I and, and Scott Young had, had had prior to that. Uh, that's just one last thing then before we go. Um, you mentioned Conor McManaman. I actually forgot that you'd signed him because you you signed him and he was brilliant for uh, a number of months, and then Alan Carnahan came in and just didn't fancy him. Um, well, did you see? Did you see that sort of ability in him? I, well, I, I Conor Conor, I've seen a few times playing for for the Swifts, Linfield Swifts, an excellent field player, and um, I was speaking to Stephen Larry, who was. Uh, doing a wee bit of scouting for, for Glen Torn, but he, he knew that he had been linked previously with uh, Linfield. And he came up to the Blanchard Stadium one night we were training, and he, and he actually said to me you know, about Conor McManaman, and I knew who he was at the time. So I spoke with, with uh, Stephen, and, and Stephen brought him up one night, and we got talking. And I know Conor from Downpatrick, so I then had a word in Barry Holland's ear, who was playing for us at the time, because Barry's from the same area, uh, and so that wee bit of conversation between Barry and and Connor sort of swayed that round to to get Connor up with us, and um, it worked. And his first game for his first competitive game for us was against uh, Selina in Slovakia, yeah, and he was absolutely outstanding. Hmm. Uh, and considering that he he kept their whole defence, we played one up front that night, and he kept their whole defence occupied. For that whole ninety minutes and running at them, and considering you know the big centre back, who who now plays for AC Milan, or is it, is it <laughs> Milan, you know had a torrid night that night. And, you know, okay, the big lad was only uh, 19, 19, 20 at the time playing for Slovakia, but uh, Connor was of a similar age, uh, and and Connor put up one hell of a shift in there, and the big lad knew he was in a game. Uh, Shernachik or something you call him. Uh, I think he's he's now at, he's either AC Milan or Inter Milan. Um, what a debut Connor gave us that night! Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And um, you know he's he he then came back. He played the first clatter of, of of Irish league games for us, and then he got a bad hamstring injury. And uh, so he didn't play for maybe the last three four games that I was there, and then he came back. I think just after I had been removed, he came back and I think he came back too soon and, and Alan didn't see the best of him uh, because he wanted to get back. He was chanting a bit to get back playing, but I don't think he gave himself enough time to get rid of the hamstring injury and obviously Alan didn't see the best of him and that led to his departure. Well, Eddie... I mean, I could sit and talk to you here for hours. Um, you mentioned the players there. You mentioned like Barry Holland. I could talk to you about Barry, about Barry Holland for about an hour. I absolutely love Barry Holland. But I'll, um, I'll let you go. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Um, thanks very much for what you did for Glenthorne. In my lifetime, you, you won two major trophies, so it makes you the um, the second most successful manager after Roy Coyle. So it's not bad shoes to, to have filled in. Uh, I, I tell you, it's, it's a club 
that that even though I'm a, I'm a Clevenville supporter, being you know all my days and what have you, Clevenville or Glentorn is so close to my heart because of the the fans, special people as I've mentioned before, like Judy and uh, uh, Ruth Ruth McCleary, McCreary, um, Eddie Harvey, Tommy Sewell, those kind of people, and a few people on the board at the moment that that were there are Ian Clark and other one. Um, always, you know, very, very accommodating when you go to the Oval. Um, there, 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 there's a lot of great people there that, that you know, I have an awful lot of time for. An awful lot of time for. And it, it's a club that, that are on a good footing at the moment and, and long may that continue. Well, you're definitely welcome back at the Oval anytime, Eddie. Thanks very much. Cheers, Matthew. Thanks for the invite. Just hit 